0: I'm going to refer to this book. This is a book that um, some of you already know about. This is kind of our flagship book. It's The Case for United Prayer. And there are three authors. There are three sections. The first section is written by Jonathan Edwards. And basically, it's a reprint of his A Humble Attempt. Humble Attempt. It's The full title is A Humble Attempt to Promote... Explicit agreement and visible union of God's people, an extraordinary prayer for the revival of religion and advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth. Now, that's a mouthful. But it's a humble attempt to promote something. And these are the the pair of things that he's promoting. Explicit agreement and visible union. And they, they kind of say the same thing. But explicit agreement, so it's not just agreement. It's explicit agreement, meaning it's something that you could see. It's visible. It's well stated, and it's visible union. Yeah, there's your visible. There's a there's a there's a visible united effort in this. In what? In extraordinary prayer. So that's the key right there. That's all that Jonathan Edwards was trying to promote. He was trying to promote prayer, yes, but extraordinary prayer. And what that means simply is that in extraordinary times of declension, it calls for extraordinary measures, efforts in prayer and that was his humble attempt it was a humble attempt and i think the reason why it was a, a humble attempt was because jonathan edwards as revered and ha- as respected as he was even in his day he understood he couldn't just force people to do you know things like this just sort of mandate now you're all going to do this it was a humble attempt it was a humble proposal and that's all we can do, too. We can we can push and push and push and uh, be dogmatic about it. And, you know, it's important. And, you know, in the early days of this prayer meeting, it's kind of the way I was. And I felt a little bit bad that I was a little too pushy about it. Of course, I felt strongly about it. But the fact of the matter is we can't make people do anything. We can't force people. And even if we did, even if we did force somehow force people like guilt them into doing something you're not really accomplishing the goal i mean they may show up in person physically to a prayer meeting but they're not there in spirit and so you can't force it it's a spiritual thing so this was an extraordinary for he was pushing he was promoting a humble attempt explicit agreement visible union for extraordinary prayer, this is this is what it is that we're trying to do. For what end? Now, this is really important because that's why this prayer meeting was set up. There are lots of prayer meetings out there, and um, the more students that I talk to on the campus of BJ, you know, they they say, you know, they they do prayer meetings in their dorms, you know, at night, and but usually it's and this there's nothing wrong with this. So I'm not knocking this, but it's usually a list of needs, and you pray through the needs. Okay? List of needs, pray through the needs. And, and you go around a circle, you just pray for the needs. That That's actually very good and proper and should be done. But this particular prayer meeting is a little bit special in that we are praying for something very specific. Now, we want to pray for needs because needs... Are brought into uh, everything that we do so there's no problem with that And I don't want anyone to think that that they feel bad because they're bringing a need that, that's nope it's not that but we want to make sure we don't forget or lose sight of mm-hmm. the big reason why we're here the big overarching reason that encompasses all of the reasons and that is for the revival of religion according to the words of Edwards and for the advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth or as Rick likes to always say gospel advance gospel advance that's the, that's a short and easy way to say it but the revival of religion basically just talks about the revival of of God's church so we're praying for God's church yes because God's church is dying, spiritually. But we're also praying for the advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth. So there's the, the inward side. We're praying for God's church. And then we're praying for the advance of Christ's kingdom on earth. That's the outward. That's We want to see people saved. We want to see nations reached. We want to see the villages in Cambodia. One for Christ, Right? That's the advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth. Or, or our, uh, our African brethren that are on the call, or Brian F., that's out there in the Far East. We want to see the advancement of Christ's kingdom. So there is, there is this uh, aspect of the purpose of what we're doing. This is the great reason for why we are gathering the revival of religion and the advancement the advancement of Christ's kingdom on earth. So let's not lose sight of that. That first section deals with the why, if I can say it. The first section of this book, written by Jonathan Edwards, we have to summarize what's United Prayer all about? What's what's the big deal? The why is if you read if you read that um, section, what was the motivation? The motivation was really a dead and dying church. I mean, basically, the church was was dying. Even in Edwards' day, early on, it was dying. It was dry. It was a valley of dry bones. Okay? Ezekiel, what is it, 47, 49? It was a valley of dry bones. And it was very dry. So says the text. And that's often how our... How our experience is, spiritual experience, very dry, very dry. And so the why, if we have to answer the question of why United Prayer, it's because things are very dry out there. It's drought-like, and it's dying. That's the why. The second section deals with an account written by Samuel Prime, the second section of this book, written by Samuel Prime. And it's an account, a historical account, of a revival that took place in New York City, no less, in 1857. And it's uh, <clears throat> sometimes referred to as the Third Great Awakening. And this is why we we are... Um, We like to refer to this man, Jeremiah Lamphere, so much because he was the man that God, under God, that was used to get this prayer meeting started in New York City. So, Lamphere was tasked with evangelizing the lower wards of Manhattan, which is like basically saying, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, right? uh impossible he was tasked with that <clears throat> and if you've ever been to new york you know okay well where do you even start well he had it in his mind that he can spend multiple lifetimes just going from door to door to door to door to, door to person to person to person to person and he did that i mean he wasn't against that but he 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 felt like there was something uh, more effective that he could do possibly and he didn't know. But as he prayed and as he prayed and sought the Lord for for direction, eventually it turned into holding a prayer meeting. Prayer meeting. Oh, simple prayer meeting. He basically was going back to Jonathan Edwards, if you think about it, cuz that was that's what Jonathan Edwards was proposing. God's people getting together to pray. So he was putting uh he he thought a prayer meeting would be good. So I would say the why of the United Prayer is summed up in what Jonathan Edwards wrote in the first section the why. Deadness, declension, dryness. If I had to say it this way, the how of the United Prayer would be in that second section. Because it's really just a blueprint of what he did, how he did it. Okay, It's not gospel truth, it doesn't have to be this way, but there are a couple of things that we can learn about how he did United Prayer back in the 1800s in New York. A couple of things that we can can learn from this, right? We're not trying to carbon copy it, but we, we can learn from it. And there's two main things that we can learn. Number one, it was coordinated. And again, Edwards makes a big, big point on this too. You can't just have a general need and desire. Yeah, we ought to pray. Yeah, we know we should do that. There has to be some deliberate, coordinated planning and effort that goes into it. And, and Jeremiah Lanfear did that. There was a time that was given. There was a duration that was given. There was a place that was given, and it was advertised. He he put billboards up all over the city. He said, "Meet at this place at this time, for this amount of time, and for this purpose." Right. It was coordinated, and so often our good intentions, uh, whether in church life or even generally, are we don't we don't have enough deliberate feet to our thoughts. We don't actually take action. We 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 have good ideas. We have good intentions. But that's about all as far as it goes. So what we can learn from Jeremiah Lamphere is that it was coordinated. That's just the word that I use. It was coordinated. It's very important by the way, and that's that's how we're trying to do this. This is why we meet at the same time every day. There is some purpose in that. It's a deliberate, planned, coordinated, uh, scheduled activity. And if you don't plan, what's the phrase? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you fail to plan, plan to fail. So it's coordinated. But what's another thing we can learn about Jeremiah Lanphier? It was coordinated, but it was also convenient, if I want to stick to my C's. Now, I want to be really careful with this word convenient because I actually think that it's it can connote the wrong thing. What do I mean by convenient? Well, Lanphier knew that these shop owners, these merchants, these clerks, they were all sort of around, and he wanted to make it convenient for them to be able to just go around the block, hop into the prayer meeting, and um, and be able to do that. Convenient, okay, in that sense. Ac- accessible. It had to be. Sustainable. Doable. Because if you say we're going to have a prayer meeting on the top of Mount Kilimanjaro that, out there in Kenya, uh, it, only 0.1% of uh, people that want to do it can do it. They can't do it. So even in New York... They weren't asked to come across all the five boroughs, you know, Brooklyn and Queens and all that to get to this one spot. In New York City, they actually created multiple prayer meetings. Why'd they do that? To make it accessible for people. They had eventually hundreds, incredibly, hundreds of packed prayer meetings all throughout New York City. And that's so that it was accessible to the people, so that people could come every day. They could come. If you're having to drive through traffic for an hour to get there, I mean, it's just not going to work. So it had to be somewhat convenient. But don't think that convenient means that it's so convenient that it's 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 um, costless. Basically, it doesn't cost you anything in the sense that. You know, you just click a button, you get on, you hop on, you hop off. There's no sacrifice. There's no energy, hardly. <clears throat> and believe me, that's the greatest fear I have for this prayer meeting. It is convenient. We try to make it convenient. We make it accessible. Zoom, I'm not the greatest fan of Zoom, but the thing about Zoom, and we have to thank the pandemic for this, the thing about Zoom is that it put that program on everybody's phone or computer. And so it got to mass adoption very quickly you're not asking people to now download this and this is how you do this everyone just sort of had it already and so it was it, it became convenient but we don't ever want to get to a point please where this prayer meeting in particular becomes so convenient where it's like you just tune in like you tune into your favorite tv show every day and it's just this thing where it's it's almost like entertainment Man, if that's happening, switch off, please. I mean, this is not that. This is not entertainment. We are here. It's like somebody going to a work site and just walk watching the people work, and you know, while they're toiling away, they're just, they're pushing at something or pulling, and you're just sitting back watching them. There's nothing more annoying than that. I mean, get in there and help them, even if you're not praying audibly. You need to be praying. This is a prayer meeting. This is not just to to watch or to tune in and to you know enjoy your your you know your favorite TV show or whatever. <clears throat> so convenient is a dangerous word, but you know what I mean. It's accessible, and we we hope that we can learn from Lampier. What's the last thing? The the third section was written by none other than Richard. Cross, Red Cross, and uh, he wrote that last section. Oh, it's actually just excerpts from a, a larger dissertation that he wrote on corporate prayer. But in his larger work, he just goes through history and outlines how the Lord used the praying together of God's people, corporate prayer, to do great things to bring about a revival but to advance the kingdom i mean it it always begins on our knees it doesn't begin in a committee room it doesn't begin in a in a in a board room where people are throwing out their great ideas it begins on our knees and so he does a good job of going through history showing proving that this is the case And so I would say the first section of this book deals with why. Why are we doing this? The second deals with how. Very helpful to have that. Oh, yes, he did a noon. That's why we do noon, okay? No surprise there. And the third section, I would say, deals with who. And what I mean by that is this. He, uh, Rick, he goes through the gamut of, Everybody. It's not just for the Jonathan Edwards, who was the brilliant, you know, he was the greatest mind that America has ever produced as a philosopher, as a theologian, undisputed, the greatest mind, academic, but yet even that great mind knew and felt deeply the importance of corporate prayer, putting out his humble attempt. The great Jonathan Edwards putting out a humble attempt? Yes, he knew it. But it goes from someone like that all the way to a, a, a corner of the world that nobody knows anything about called the Isle of Lewis. Even in Scotland, a lot of people, it's hard to get there. It's, this, it's way off into the very outer perimeter. It's like the extremities of that country. The Isle of Lewis, the outer Hebrides. And you had these two old women, Peggy and Christine Smith, 82 and 84 years old. They're not Jonathan Edwards, but they're Peggy and Christine Smith. One was blind and one was so crippled that they couldn't leave their house. So you're talking about the gamut here. So the who means anybody. It means you. See, it means people who are maybe homebound. People who don't feel like they can, they can't do it. They can't do, they don't feel very useful. How do you think Peggy and Christine Smith would have felt? By the way, speaking of which, I don't know if Linda's on the call, but Linda B., um, she's been praying for revival with her sister for many years. And tomorrow, if my calendar is correct is the anniversary of Sally B's death. Sally B, Linda B, Sally B, the sisters that prayed and prayed and prayed for revival. Sally B was on this call initially. She passed away two years ago, I think. So we have our own Peggy and Christine Smith. My point is just that the who, it's anybody. Don't think it's for the great preachers of the world, um, I don't see uh, any great preachers on this call. <laughs> it's not—I mean, basically, it's—it's—it's it's, it's us. We're it. Um. Anyways, the who, so the why, the how, and the who of united prayer. That's—that's that's what it's all about, friends. And so we're gonna pray because. That's why we. That's why we um, started this whole thing. We're going to pray and we're going to ask God to rend the heavens, and come down. That's what we want. We want to call upon. We preach to the bones. And there's some reform that happens the bones come together sinew and all that and they look better but there's still no life in them what we're doing is we're prophesying to the wind we are praying to the spirit come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon these slain that they might live that's what we're doing You got to have both. You got to have preaching, but you have to have praying.